Previously on Seek Alternate Route. It's not difficult to to train somebody. It's about wanting to do that with them and guiding them. Yeah, it's great. It's rewarding. You can look at that and go, you know what? Look at her go. It was a leap of faith. It was, yes, she didn't have the right skills. She, she, didn't, she wasn't a recruiter, but she came from an admin position in a real estate organisation and she's, she's very successful at what she does now. Hello, I'm Kyron Wheatley, and this is my journey to find not just a new job, but a new career, or at the very least, work out what that career might be. Proudly brought to you by Seek, this is Seek Alternate Route. In this final episode, I tackle one of the biggest barriers there is when it comes to changing careers, and that's your finances. I'm not changing career just for money. Like, who doesn't want more money? Great if that happens, but that's not the reason, right? I'm looking for the right career for me. I want to be happy, but I don't live in a fantasy land. I need to have enough money for the mortgage, the car, food, like anyone else. I just want to hit that point where I'm earning enough money to live fine and be really happy in my career. Having said that, psychologist Sabina Reid has told me about the importance of money in your life. What does money represent? It never represents cash, dollars Mm. per se. Money might be about security, it might be about success, about safety, about giving back to others, about freedom, about identity. There's so many, so many representations of money. I don't need your help anymore. Independence. Yep. Maybe I want you to need my help or maybe I don't want you to need my help. Exactly. You know, there's so many layers to that. Mm. You see, money has always been something my dad has asked me about. Total dad move, I know. Whether I'm making enough, whether I'm not making enough, when how are you means, you got enough money coming in? So if in your head, even if your dad's never uttered those words, you know, (laughs) what's it going to pay? What's the salary? It's worth exploring that because it's these are the very real barriers that stop us from making a change because we're doing what we think we should be doing and we're back in the swear jar. Mm. I would say at a significant cost to millions of people. Because, you know, it affects how we feel about ourselves. It affects, it, it affects every minute of every day of how we spend it and how we, you know, how we, yeah, how we feel about ourselves. So it's worth unpacking it and, and freeing yourself of the shackles of the stories that have come before us. And those templates do follow us for decades. As a culture, I feel like we're a little reserved when talking about money. So I decided to visit someone who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to finances hopefully pick up something so that I don't have to be embarrassed. My name's Nerida Cole and I'm the head of advice at Dixon Advisory and what I do is help people plan out their finances, um, particularly around key life changes like retirement, changing their job, starting a new career, starting a family, buying that first house. Now, I'm lucky enough to have a mortgage towering over my head with my partner Reese, And Reese is a stand-up comedian, so it's not as if he has the same paycheck rolling in every fortnight either. I admitted to Nerida that when I left my job a couple of years ago, I didn't really consider the financial impacts. Well, I would say that's pretty common uh, and certainly, you know, a lot of people, you know, have, have these dreams of kind of being able to, um, you know, walk out the door and hand the resignation letter over their shoulder as they go and then think mm. about the financial um, impacts and you know, changes that they need to make in their situation after that. But we are seeing that I think there's an increasing number of people, particularly in that sort of 30 to 40 year old age bracket that want to do something different with their 
work and their career and that are actually really thinking about how can they make that happen in terms of maybe not just the financial um, income that, that um, arises from changing their career but also whether they can change their lifestyle. The problem is that when you're sort of in your 30s, 40s, you've also got a number of other usually life things in your world that mean that taking a pay cut is, a, is, is you know, very hard. Exactly. Um, And that's right. So, you know, often people will have a mortgage and maybe they're not that far into their, um, you know, purchase of a new property and and have that quite large debt to service. Uh, It's also a prime time where people usually um, are thinking about either starting a family or have a very young family. And that, as you would um, appreciate, is quite a big cost and also financial responsibility in terms of meeting those commitments. So, you know, there's certainly a few things that people need to think through in terms of what's actually important to them before they make that change. Is it stability and and knowing they've got that ongoing income? Um, Is it having creative freedom? Or for some people, it might be actually having more time in their day to spend with family and they might be able to and prepared to take a pay cut to make that actually happen. What are the options that you've got if, you know, you're wanting to change careers that you can sort of structure your finances differently so that it's actually an option? Well, I think there's three sort of big headline things that I'd say to start with in terms of people to think about that can help make that transition a little bit easier. The first one would be to stretch out your income from your existing job. Second one would be to boost your income from that new role or the new business as quickly as possible. And the third thing would be be to crush your spending as much as you possibly can uh, and know what that looks like. And there's a t- few different ways you can sort of work through all those things, but that's, that's a good sort of framework to think about. Nerida also says that having a stash of cash saved up can really prepare you for the times ahead when changing your career, because there might be periods where you're not getting any income. And as my season box set of Grey's Anatomy proves, it can be hard to stop yourself from spending it all. Well, yeah, initially it can seem like there's a lot of cash there, but once you stop having pay come in on a regular fortnightly or weekly basis, actually can get a bit scary in terms of there's nothing coming in and I've got to make this pool of money last. So how close to the end of that um, stash of cash should you be pulling the pin? Should you be, you know, going like, oh, I need to... I need to lower my expectation of what I thought I wanted to do and what I thought I was getting into and maybe do take that accounting job in the new workplace or do, you know, retreat a little bit. Because this is all, you know, losing your house, it's not, I don't know if that's necessarily worth the the career change, is it? No, exactly. Well, I wouldn't think that, um, you know, as I said, apart from the financial um, detriment that creates, um, there's a huge emotional trauma that comes with that. So it's certainly avoid at all costs. And if that mm. means that you actually have to go and get a job as a barista in the local cafe to get a little bit more cash flow coming in, then that should be part of that plan. What is the backup that can help you get some easy cash in the door that still gives you the opportunity to pursue that other role? One term that's been really popular over the last couple of years is side hustle. Everyone's heard that, right? you got a job on the side just to earn yourself a little bit of extra cash. You could be driving people around for a rideshare company, designing a website in your lounge room, or selling craft at the local market. Actually, my boyfriend Reese does that. He makes his own little funny pins. And I've got a side hustle of posting them for him. 
Exactly. You have your project on the side. That may well be enough to give you the enjoyment that you, yet you're craving and still have the stability of a regular gig that's paying the, paying the bill, servicing the mortgage and giving you the freedom to still have that holiday in Bali. And like the thing about the side hustle is that it could grow, right? Like you could, you know, it starts out that the scales are really weighted in the job that you actually have. But then as time goes by, suddenly, you know, it starts becoming 25, 75, and then it's 50, 50. And then you find yourself with like this whole new career that you've just built up on weekends. Exactly. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Because then you know what's involved in keeping that side hustle running. And then you can gradually add to it and build it you know, in accordance with what's actually working. So, you know, that is actually a really great way for people, if they can do it, to get that um, new business up and running. Maybe I should have done that, Nerida. Well, uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Because <laughs> what I did is I left and knowing that I had a partner who had a, you know, much more steady flow of income. So I was like, well, you know, I've, I've got this sort of backup which is, um, you know, in my from my private life where I'm very lucky in that way where it's like, well, he'll be able to cover me for a little while. Essentially, if you have a partner, you do want to bring them into that discussion and make sure that they um, understand the implications on the on the household finances, that you've got a plan to manage that from protecting your relationship as well because it certainly puts more stress on the relationship as well and it changes the dynamics. Yeah, maybe you have that base um, line in the sand where you say, okay, look, if in two years or if we get down to, you know, we've used this amount of our reserves and we've only got one month left, then yep, we'll go and get that other job. And then you decide that as a, as a partnership, then that can help to give people a bit more comfort around how it might play out if, you know, if things don't work as planned. And that's something that I've been thinking about lately as well. Someone who's been at my side this whole time is my partner, Reese, who you probably know better as that red-headed comedian in a fancy suit, Reese Nicholson, and we'll hear from him soon. But now that I feel like I'm prepared to tackle my finances, there's only one more person I need to meet. My name's Fee Shuring. Fee is short for Fiona, which I'm normally called by my mother when I'm in trouble, even <laughs> at 59. Fee is the president of Supporting and Linking Trades Women. She set up the organisation about 10 years ago to help women get into trades. I love Fee. She's one of the most determined people that I've ever met. And she's the perfect person to speak to because I feel like the final hurdle for me is finding the motivation to actually put myself out there. But first of all, like everyone I've been speaking to, turns out Fee has also changed careers a few times, which apparently is a super common thing. If I go right back to the beginning, I actually trained as an artist and I've done all sorts of different jobs, including a library assistant, a tax, ins- not a tax inspector, I was a tax revenue executive, um, which is below Fancy it. word yeah, for? for somebody that collects tax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> revenue executive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what do they call garbage collectors? They've got something, their name similar to that, yeah, haven't ref- they? Refuse executives executives yeah well i was a tax executive (laughs) so a revenue executive um and um so i've done a lot of very different jobs along the way i'm also a painter and decorator by trade and i fell into my trade because i was a single mum with five small children Um, five small children single mum 
Yeah, and I was doing jobs like um, I was like being raising a, five children. <laughs> yeah, but I was still trying to make ends meet because uh-huh. it was very difficult and not something I really recommend. <laughs> but anyway, I got through it. I was doing things like I was a postie for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking after other people's children, and nothing really was sustain sustainable and working. What did you think you were going to be when you were eighteen? I thought I was going to be an artist. I thought. I was I was going to be the most amazing artist, and was that was, like a childhood dream? Uh, yeah, I've always been hands on. I've always made things. I've always been sort of very um, artistic, creative orientated, and um, I really I did some weird things. Like what do you mean? Well, I did a degree in three dimensional design, and I did ceramics. Yeah, but then I discovered knitting. It's hard not to be overwhelmed by how incredible Fee is. Her story resonated with me because while she's successful in training tradies now, she had the same childhood dream as I did. I grew up similarly wanting to be the arts, mm. similarly deciding that I'm going to be, you know, when I was young I was an actor and then it mm. developed, turned into a director. Mm. And now I've sort of fallen into media mm. <laughs> more broadly. But for me, the idea of going and doing these other jobs is sort of not a letdown, but it's like, oh, I'm not on my, I'm not on my dream, or I'm not on my path, or whatever. I don't, I don't see it like that at all. I, for me, it's like being in a corridor, and this door opens, and for me, it's always. I have got a saying that I say: opportunity never looks like something you want to do. It all looks like hard work, bloody hard work, and it always is. Everything I've ever had that's been of great value has always taken a lot of hard work and a lot of tenacity to get through it. So for me, it's more like that. It's not a horrible corridor by any means, but, you know, it's a bit like Alice in Wonderland, you know, a little door here and a big door (laughs) there and you open the door and what does it look like behind? And and so everything that I've ever done has involved a lot of hard work, Mm. but it's been worth it. I mean, I gave up on big plans a long time ago because I discovered that everything could be whipped away from you in a second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of very aware that everything is transient anyway. Yeah. So it, it was just about, right, well, this is what's going to work now. So, and this is this is an opportunity, even though it, it may not be what I thought I was going mm. to do. Suck it and see. So. You, keep, you said it whipped away in a second. What do you mean? You'll have to bear with me because I still, after 27 years, still cry when I talk about this. It turns out we're about to find out why Fee has been so driven in her life. And fair warning, if you don't have tissues nearby or you're on public transport or something, like, I was not prepared for what I was about to find out. One of my twins had um, a, a convulsion, but it wasn't a normal convulsion. She went into what's called status epileptus. Right. And because of where we live, we're, we're quite isolated where we live, um, it took 20 minutes for an ambulance to get to us and then another 20 minutes to get out to the hospital. And by the time the ambulance came in, the first seizure had stopped, but it had been going for quite a while. And then she started convulsing again on the way out and then when we were in the hospital she crashed and 
I was pushed out with my husband. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, it was, I still, anybody who's ever had a child in that circumstance will understand. Mm. Um, And I kind of almost had, I mean, it sounds bizarre and I'm not this kind of person, but it was almost like I had an out-of-body experience where my husband was clinging to me and I was holding on to him and... It was like I elevated above the whole situation and my brain split into three and I was going, she's dead, she's dead, what have you got to do? And then and the other half part of my brain was going, this is not real, this is not happening to me, this is, mm, this happens to I'm going to wake up in a minute, this is not happening to me. And then the other part of my brain was sort of looking at him and saying, he needs you but you don't need him. So it was an absolute watershed in my life. And um, I kind of, uh, I mean, obviously because of the circumstances, I couldn't completely react to it at the time. But, but you, it, it was like you, my yeah. life had an earthquake because sudden, suddenly I had, well, I didn't have a child, I thought. And my life was just in shatters. Mm. So I had to... Sorry. No, no, I'm sorry for talking about it. (laughs) But I knew from that point that life wasn't a rehearsal Mm -hmm. and that what I did in future had to count. It's been a very big part of my life that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it well and I'm going to do it with full gusto because, you know, this isn't a rehearsal. This is it. You know, we've only got now. We haven't got yesterday. It's gone. We haven't got tomorrow yet. Everything can be taken away from you in an instant, which is a bit of a dramatic way to be, but when you've been in that situation... Fee's story really shook me. Right, here she is, living every day like it's her last day because she's seen how precious life is. And here I am. I've spent the last two years sad because I didn't have my dream job anymore. And now I'm not even sure if it is my dream job. It really gave me some perspective to how, actually, lucky I've been. Fee is such a powerful woman. I feel like she's gone out there and got what she's wanted, despite the barriers that life's put in her way. In fact, almost to spite them. As if to say, you can't beat me. I think sometimes you've got to not follow exactly the same path path as everyone else. Sometimes you've got to do things a little bit differently. You know, um, I mean, so many people that are looking for someone, uh, you know, to fill a position, they're going to have millions of, you know, possibly hundreds, possibly thousands of people coming across their path. So you need to do something that makes yourself stand out a little bit. And I think that's probably... What I did is I would just, I would, I had great staying power and sticking power, but I also would just give myself an edge. So when I was trying to become a full time teacher, I put myself into university and did my teaching um, postgrad diploma. And it was hard work. It was bloody hard work, but it gave me an edge over others. So I think it's just finding a point of difference that's worthwhile to the employer and actually. And being prepared to do things like follow up, you know, and contact the employer, send a letter, even if they're not recruiting, send a letter. This is me. 
I'm interested in working for your company. You know, all these things that a lot of people just don't do. You know, they they do things differently. Um, they just follow the she- follow, follow the crowd. They're sheep. I had a little confession to make to Fee, and I guess you. Well, I just, I mean, I applied for a job at the BBC recently, sent, put my resume together, sent it off, got a no, that was it, did nothing else. Yeah, and you see... Is that wrong? Well, <laughs> it's not wrong, but it's, you know, what, what have you learnt from that? You've probably just taken it personally. Mm. You yeah, know, you've, you've probably just gone, oh, they don't want me, I'm not good enough. Well, you are good enough. They just didn't want you at that moment. So maybe go out of your way to make them want you next time. You know, if, if that's what you really want. But from that, you may have other opportunities. You know, you may, if you allow yourself to learn from that, okay, what, what look at who, you know, if, if, you're, if it's possible to find out who they did take, what was, it, what was it about that person that won them the job? You know, it doesn't mean that you become a clone of that person, but you can learn from that experience rather than taking it as a negative. I think I think that's one of the big things that I do, which I get from my father, is there's the old saying, a cup half full and a cup half empty. They're both exactly the same thing, but it's the way you view it. So in all negatives, and I suppose that's really the sum of my life, is there was this massive negative. But from that something very positive has been created. So I think that's that's an important and it's not it's not easy to do, let me tell you, because when you have been knocked back or you, you have you don't had to talk to them. Yeah. And you just <laughs> don't think, have anything to do with it. Yeah, anymore. that's right. I think most people are actually afraid of the word no. I think that's in life. Mm. We're all afraid. Even if we've got to phone someone are they going to say something, you know, what are they going to say? They're not likely to yell at you, you know. <laughs> they're just going to say no, and no just means no. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything other than they didn't choose you for that time. I think it's actually better sometimes to not get everything that you want in life. I think sometimes you gain a great deal more when you work hard. I mean, it goes back to my doors, you know, opportunity doesn't look like something you want to do. It doesn't look like a yes either, I can tell you that. It normally looks like a no. So, you know, I think you can gain a great deal from those kind of things if you allow for it. But if you just if it just sets you back on your haunches and you you can't you can't recover from that. If if it if it damages your self-esteem and your self-esteem has got to come from within. It can't belong. You can't be gaining your self-esteem from outside hmm. influences. It's so hard. Though. I mean, if you get a no, no, hard. no. If you've got five, if you apply for yeah. five, ten jobs and you get no's constantly. Hey, try applying for a hundred. You know, that's tenacity. Hmm. So that's what I'm. That's and that's what I. It's changing. You know, we we have so many jobs coming through companies that see the value of what I'm doing now, and. I've had to work very long. It's taken me almost 10 years to get to this point. And whilst I'm doing a full-time job and rearing children and, I mean, I'm a grandmother with eight grandchildren as well. So, (laughs) And two dogs and (laughs) all the rest of it. Now, sure, Fee is eight grandchildren and an extra dog ahead of me. So, of course, she nails it. Just because I got one no doesn't mean I shouldn't try at other places, even if they are a bit different to what I had in mind for me. 
One thing that somebody did tell me recently is um, don't be led by emotion, but lead with emotion. And I think that's an important thing. You know, and I realised the difference in that. What's the difference in that? Well, because you're leading, you're doing something with passion, is very uh, fulfilling. Um, you're going to make a difference. You're going to do something. You may you may fail. It doesn't matter. But you, if you give it your all, and you do it with passion, you've succeeded anyway in my eyes. Whereas when you, when emotion drives you, it's in charge. And I'm still working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The final piece of the puzzle is my fiance, Reese Nicholson. Like I said, he's a comedian and he's currently touring the UK while I'm here working out what to do next. We've been together now for 87 years. Nah, it's eight years. But in any case, we've been through many things. We're even about to get married, which is another reason that I should really get some more income cranking. I guess, like, these days, even though I've got bits and pieces here and there and I'm, you know, like you say, doing this and, you know, hustling up a bunch of other things, I can also look at my calendar in a week and be like, oh, there are three days where if I want to, I can do exactly nothing <laughs> and and it doesn't change anything, you know what I mean? Mm. And I think so when you say, like, I'm doing things, it's like, yeah, but I, like, I'm not working anywhere near as much as you, like, you're tooth and nail every single day at the moment but that's also because i've i wasn't years ago and this uh, this is like my 10th year of doing the one thing or like i've had other jobs and stuff but i've Mm. been doing stand-up consistently for for 10 years whereas you know when i had been doing it for three years it wasn't that like you you supported me financially (laughs) in, in that in that time but you're in the beginnings of new stuff now so it is that t- there is just going to be gaps i guess the the thing of like doing a stand-up of having like a unified direction is something that i'm jealous of compared to like not really knowing what path to take of all these different things that i could potentially do but i think you've also created that path because there isn't a path for me definitely not what's the path if, if you know what it is please tell me then Reese goes and drops a bomb about what probably would have happened if I was still at Triple J. Now, it, I think it would be even a deeper, what do I do now? Mm. Because it, it never, a tenure in a job like that, there's no like, it's not in a box and there's a bow on top of it and then you're done. It's like, you'd always be chasing something. But that's what is good about you and your work ethic is that you're always chasing something. This, this is what this whole conversation has been around, I think. You were worried that you're not doing the right thing when there is no right thing and you're just doing a lot of things that are working towards something, mm. but you don't see that. Mm. You see it as like floundering, whereas from the outside it is the opposite of that. And I realise it's a very easy thing to say, but I think what you do sometimes is put, yeah, put this pressure on this invisible target. <laughs> And you, you, you're spending a lot of, you spend time thinking about what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, mm. when you're already kind of doing it. You're doing things that are satisfying you. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said there weren't times I didn't want to, like, just shake you and be like, stop, stop thinking about it as if it's this thing you need to do, like this impossible, invisible thing in the future that you can't quite focus on. Because if you do that, you're going to be on your deathbed 
wondering (laughs) whether you ever did it. That's a terrible last thought. (laughs) So, think I'm ready to take that next step. And after the chat with Fee, I know exactly where to start. Hi, my name's Kyron Wheatley. I applied for a job a couple of months ago and I didn't get it, but I'm just wondering who I should speak to about perhaps getting some feedback. This has been Seek Alternate Route, proudly brought to you by Seek. And if you're looking for a career change, we hope this podcast has helped you think about what you need to do to prepare yourself for it. Now, the Seek website has heaps of expert advice, guidance and resources and obviously many, many jobs. So that's a good place to start. And just from me to you, if I can get back up from where I was and turn this ship around, so can you. You deserve it. We all deserve it. If you think you know someone who might like this podcast, you can share it with them. If you, and this sounds obvious, click share. It's true. You can also leave us a review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 